We are moving right along in the Easter season, week three. Week three, moving right along, and we're moving towards the celebration of, of what I call, believe, is, is the greatest single event in human history, Easter. The resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Nothing has come close to impacting all of humanity in the landscape of human history like the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And it happened for a reason. As I already mentioned in prayer, Jesus was risen for a reason, and that reason is you. To give you life. To give you life as you live it from day to day. And that's what this series is all about. Discovering truths the things that Jesus rose again for to give you in in a very real practical way that you can experience day in and day out as you live life. And of course, to give it to you for all of eternity, to have life forever. And we looked at in week one of this series, he's risen for a reason to help you know true greatness, what that means, um, to teach and to lead. We looked at the truth that he gave in John 13, the example that he gave through the washing of the disciples' feet. Because in the world, there's a sharp contrast between what greatness is all about. We know what the world holds up, and Jesus says, no, real greatness is found in obedience and servitude and humility. Something I think we all can learn more about. Then last week, we looked at the truth that he gave in John 14 about the coming of the Holy Spirit, the counselor, to do what? To teach us all things, to remind us of everything that Jesus has taught us so that we learn what it means in terms of living life that's important, the things that we need to know. And again, a sharp difference between what the world says we need to know and what God says we need to know and how that impacts our lives. The most important things the Holy Spirit was given to you after Jesus rose again to teach you, to lead you, to equip, to empower you in the living of life so that, again, you can live the best life ever. And this morning, we continue the series by looking at truth that comes to us out of John 16. We're going to be reading verses 19 to 24, where Jesus teaches another truth about something that is, uh, is so important in our lives and comes simply from knowing Jesus, but something that can be unleashed in our lives, knowing real joy. Who could use a little more joy this morning? Yeah, I think everybody could. And there's this crazy thing um, in, in the world in terms of, of joy and Christianity. And Jesus speaks to a little bit about the sharp contrast. There's perceptions. And isn't this true? There's a perception. And sometimes as followers of Jesus, we, we unwittingly um, perpetuate it. And that is, is that there's not a lot of joy in living the Christian life. 
And that's what happens when you live it as, as the religious leaders did in the day, about life of duty and obligations, following rules. And that's how some people perceive Christianity, right? It, it's about following the rules. And that, that, that truth was, was um, shared in a song. Do you, know, do you know Only the Good Die Young by Billy Joel? Anybody know that song? Yeah. Well, I want you to listen close. We're going to play a minute of it. And, and I think this is really truthful about the perception that some followers have of what it means to be a Christian and living a Christian life. Would you play that clip for so disappointed that those lyrics are so rotten. That is a catchy song. I love that song. It's been in my, it, it been in my head all week long. It's, it's a great song, but it, the, the truth in it stinks. I'm just being honest. Did you catch what it said? And, and this, again, this is, this is some of the, again, some of the perceptions that people have of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, right? The stained glass curtain you're hiding behind never lets in the sun. In other words, it's no fun. You got a brand new soul across a goal, but they didn't give you quite enough information, really. This is not enough information. They say there's a heaven. I this, this this line. They say there's a heaven for those who wait. Some say it's better, but I say it ain't. And, you know, we, we talked about that last week, looked at God's Word in terms of the presence of the Holy Spirit, teaching the most important things of life. But Billy Joel says heaven's not a better place because he knows. Celebrities, um, people who are famous, we should take their word for it, right? They got all the wisdom more than God. And then really the, the last line, I'd rather laugh with the sinners and cry with the saints because the sinners are much more fun. I want to tell you this morning, as surely as I'm standing here, as surely as as Jesus rose again, there is nothing, there is nothing that brings joy like living a life of following Jesus Christ. And I hope that we understand that we grasp that and we live it. Because knowing Jesus is where real joy is found. But don't take my word for it. Open up your hearts and listen to the truth of John 16, verses 19 to 24. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what it meant when I said, In a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? 
I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You'll grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. This is the Word of God. Might it be written in our hearts and lived in our lives. Oh, there's, there's so much here. Um, and I don't want to skip over verse 19. We're going to focus in, in truth that, that Jesus gives about joy and how that works out in a very real way in our world. But he shares something. Um, there, there's something behind what he shares in verse 19 when he, he hears them talking and then he asks them about it because they're confused. They, they're not quite getting it. He said, you know, you, you see me now, but then I'll be gone. Um, but you'll see me again in a little while. And they're like, well, what does that mean? There's kind of some, some anxiety. They, they are aware of all of the things that are going on, that Jesus is in danger, and so they're kind of wondering about it. And, and the wonderful little truth that is there that I just, just want you to, to really um, grasp as well, and it gives insight into uh, the, the whole understanding about joy, is that, that Jesus knows your heart. He knows the things that you're going through. And sometimes, we, I, I, just be honest, I think we wonder about that, right? Jesus knows your heart. He knows where you're at. He knows the things that bother you. He knows the pains that you have, the struggles that you have, the issues that you're dealing with, and he cares, and he loves you. And he wants you to experience, again, the, the best life ever. And that doesn't mean that it will be void of struggles or, or pains or, or hurts, that's another one of these things that sometimes um, is projected by Christians that, that everything is, is wonderful, beautiful, hunky-dory after accepting Jesus Christ, meaning no issues, no problems. That's not true. It's not biblical. But in the midst of them, Jesus will be. And one of the things that's true about that is the presence of real joy. And there's a huge contrast between the grief and the joy of the world and the grief and the joy that Christians experience. He says in verse 20, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. There it is. There's the contrast. There's the difference. Followers of Jesus Christ, weeping and mourning, the world rejoicing. They understood what that meant. In short order, after Jesus spoke to this to them, just hours later. Can you imagine, and as I, as I think about Easter and I think about the followers of Jesus Christ and the things that happened, this, this, just this boom, boom, boom of emotions. Um, they were with them last supper. Jesus spent some incredible time with them. And they went out and prayed in the garden, but, but then he's arrested. And then what happens? He's, he's beaten. He's mocked. He's spit on. His flesh is shredded. 
and he's hung on a cross, the most brutal form of torture that the Romans, who were masters at it, had invented yet. And so do you think that caused them some grieving and some pain? Absolutely, they loved Jesus. And they're weeping and crying to see him hanging on the cross. And yet, what was going on? You know, one of the pictures, one of the, the things that I envision when Jesus is, I think of in Good Friday and other times when I think of the, the, the death on the cross, I think of the crowd and I think of the people that are there. And there was a huge mob before Pilate, right? And they were going crazy and chanting, you know, crucify him, crucify him. And then at the cross, I just envisioned the smugness and the sneering. We got rid of him. Our problem is resolved. This problem, this troublemaker, Jesus, is dead. And there was real joy in their hearts over that. They were glad, happy, that they had finally found the solution to get rid of Jesus. World rejoicing, followers of Jesus Christ, sad, disheartened, filled with pain. Sharp contrast. That exists today, right? Think about the context of the world. Think about the things that the world celebrates, that the world rejoices in. And it's centered in, when I think of this, this verse, and I think about what Jesus is saying, you'll weep and mourn while the world rejoices. I, I think of the things that, again, um, are, are laid out there in terms of beliefs, of, of values, of ethics, of morality, of the things that the world um, says, these are things that we should celebrate and, and have joy about. And so many of them, let's just be really, really honest, so many of them are so contrary to what Scripture says as truth. What Scripture says, this is what you should celebrate. This is what you find joy in, all related and centered in the presence of Jesus Christ and the following of his word. There's a radical difference. And as I think about it and I think about it, and, and the only, the saving grace is God is sovereign. And that he's constant and that he's present. And that he brings life and he reveals himself in profound and wonderful ways in our lives and in our hearts. Because the truth about living life in the world today, and again, um, what's celebrated and what isn't, is radically different. And it grieves my heart when I think of some of the things that are happening and taking place. And yet, there's real joy. Your grief will turn to joy. And all it takes um, to, to, to make that flip in my head switch when I start getting consumed by all of the things that I just struggle with in terms of what people are believing in the lives that they're living is just recognizing truth and the presence of Jesus and what that means and all the rich blessings then that he brings in, into the heart and the life as just simply pick up feet and follow him. 
It's profound. It's awesome. And Jesus gives an illustration of that in verse 21. He says this, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets her anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Now, I want to tell you, I, I, um, I try really hard to grasp the fullness of this, but because I'm a gal, I can't. I think men, we fall a bit short in this department, understanding that illustration. I think women can maybe grasp it quite a bit better. But I try. And one of the things that I was taught, um, you know, in the, in, in way back when, in, in the, I don't even know what they called them, um, help me be a good husband class when my wife was pregnant because, you know, there's some mistakes you can make. And um, trivializing or minimizing or not taking into account the real pain that your wife is going through is one of them because the pain is intense, labor's hard. I don't really know what that means. I have an idea. I, I watched my wife go through it four times. But so too, I, I don't understand the fullness of the joy of giving birth. It might be one of the only things I was, wish I was a woman for, by the way. <laughs> what an incredible feeling that has to be. What an amazing thing. And to be able to, to, to be there, and, and, and I, you know, I was like almost doing cartwheels in the room, so doctors had to settle me down each time one of my children were born. But then I'm thinking about my, my wife just there with a the baby, and it just, just, it's a profound experience. Joy, deep joy. And, and that's what Jesus is comparing the, the joy, giving an illustration of the joy that is ours as followers of Christ. Because in him there is life, real life. And so when we think about the, the pains and the struggles, we think of the experiences, I hope and trust as well, that, that come alongside in the midst of that even. You know, I, I won't say why because you all know why. I, one of the things that over the last two years, a difficult time, has brought me personally real joy is knowing that, that, that all I needed to do was to pick up my feet and as I, as I followed and, and, and led by following is just to, to keep my eyes focused on God, uh, to look to him for, for the, the answers, to help me navigate a very difficult time in ministry. And there was great joy in that. Maybe didn't get it always right, certainly dealt with a lot of disagreement, but there was joy in knowing that just simply doing your best, and I can honestly say that was true, just to follow. And when that's all you can do sometimes, it's the best thing. And so just picking our feet and following, and great joy in knowing that, that God was in control he was going to care for, even in the midst of difficult times. Doesn't that bring you great joy? 
When you're going through pain and hurt and issues and problems, there is underneath it all this understanding that God loves you, cares for you, will, will protect you, will help you through it. You'll come out on the other end no matter what. And I have to emphasize that no matter what because sometimes we don't get it. And sometimes things don't work out how we would draw it up. But knowing that God is God and he always loves us and is going to care for us brings great joy. But it takes you knowing that. Knowing that here. Having that deep in your heart. And that's what Jesus is speaking about. An incredible blessing, an incredible truth. Liking it to the joy that a woman has when she gives birth to a child. And then it gets even better. Verse 22. So with you, so that's what your joy is like. Now is your time of grief. I will see you again and you will rejoice. And then you see that last line of verse 22. And no one will take away your joy. No one will take away your joy. That's the reality and truth of knowing Jesus as the forgiver of your sins and leader in life. No one can rob you of grace. No one can rob you of Jesus. No one can rob you of the joy that you have in him. No one. And is this not true? That Satan tries hard to rob you of your joy? You know, there in the in the world there are a lot of what I call joy suckers. Maybe because of negativity, maybe because they just always want to needle you as a follower of Jesus Christ. So they, they um, just want to be mean or cause problems or division or whatever it is to try to distract, derail, destroy, take away joy. But it's not possible because of the presence of Jesus. And at the end of the day, despite all of the things that are going on, I know where victory is. It's found in him and in him alone. And beyond even some of the, the, um, some of the I'm just going to call it superficial, there's people who are really evil and wicked and nasty and mean and who seek to cause you harm, real harm. Destroy and tear apart your lives. But there's joy in Jesus. No one can rob the joy that you can have in Jesus Christ and in following him. You know, again, pains and and problems. But, But it has been such a rich blessing over the years to think about all of the moments, all of the things, all of the experiences, all rooted in and because of the very presence of Jesus that I've been able to experience and that no one can ever take away from who it is that Jesus has been in a heart and a life and experience the rich blessings that he's poured out. I'm looking at a lot of them now 
It is just so profound. It's just so awesome to think about the joy that Jesus seeks to bring and indeed does simply as you pick up your feet and you follow. Knowing, knowing him. I, 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 love, I love these words. It's, it's related. Jesus speaks again. It's in John 10, verses 27 to 30. And there have been a number of times I've went to this passage. Listen to this. My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Did you hear that? No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me and my Father is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. No one, no one can rob you of the joy of Jesus. Because once he reveals who he is to you, it's a forever thing. And despite what people might say and who it is they might be, Jesus is yours forever. And you are his. What an incredible, powerful truth. How comforting, what kind of peace, what kind of joy can flow out of knowing that. And not just in a little way, not just in little itty bits and spurts in our hearts and in our lives, but in big ways, fully and completely. That's what verses 23 and 24 are about. And that day you'll no longer ask me anything. He's speaking about when he, when he is um, risen again. They're asking questions now. That'll end when he's risen again. In terms of the little while business, that's what he's speaking about there. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and then there it is, and your joy will be complete. What a profound promise. Do you have that kind of joy? Do you know it? Well, you know how to get it. Seeking. I know I've shared at different times. Um, seven times from John 14 to John 17, Jesus says the very same thing. Do you think he wants you to understand what he's telling you? Ask and you receive, seek and you'll find. Your joy will be complete. Do you need more joy? I don't know anybody who doesn't need more joy in their life. And yet at various times, isn't this true? When we think about joy, we, we, we try to, to chase or pursue or think that it's over here, or over here, or over here, when really it's right here. The joy of Jesus, nothing like it. So, that's the truth. That's the challenge. That's the promise. Complete joy. Well, what does that look like? What would that look like for you? To find that, to discover that, um, to have that grow in your heart and your life. Joy. Now pick up your feet and follow. Do it with all of your heart. Try to be who it is that he's calling you to be, who he created, redeemed, gifted, and called you to be. Know his presence, and in the presence of Jesus, you'll find real joy. 
There are going to be rough spots and bumpy spots. But that's where joy is found. And what an incredible promise and an incredible truth that that's God's desire for you. It's not about obeying a bunch of rules, regulations. You can skip that Billy Joel perception. It's not that his truth and his word and the things that he shares are archaic, outdated, irrelevant, and don't hold any water. That's a cultural perception. And if you know Jesus, you know his word is true and the things that he shares to you is true. You know that Easter is real, that he died and that he rose again. And that he rose again to give you life and to give you joy. Claim it. Embrace it. Live it. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you so much for your word and your truth. And Lord, I think of everybody here. See their faces. Know their names. Lord, I think about joy. And I praise you and I thank you for those that have you in their hearts that know the joy of grace, that you have forgiven them. Lord, that you are in their hearts to lead them each and every day through this difficult thing called life, but that can bring so many rich and awesome moments, great joy. Lord, I pray that that would be true for all. Whether it's today or in your sense of your timing, and I hope that it's today, that nobody here would leave not knowing you and not knowing your grace. That they'd open up their hearts, O Lord, to your amazing grace that is freeing and liberating, just as we say. And receive the joy that nobody can rob us of. Not now, not ever. In your holy and your precious name I pray it. And for your honor and glory I pray it. With thanksgiving and humility I pray it. Amen.